Well, good morning, Southridge. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Awesome. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. If you're here for the very first time, we're really excited that you're here. We feel like God has a very specific plan for your life. He, he knows about you. He sees you. He cares about you. All those things are true. And so hopefully today that reality can become more and more uh, clear to you as we jump through the service. Um, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm Pastor Troy, the lead pastor here, uh, with my lovely wife, Jennifer. We've been married uh, almost 32 years. Isn't that almost... Just think, 32 years with the same woman. Wow. Wow. It's an awesome thing. Anyway... Hey, uh, I want to celebrate something that we talked about all last month, the One Campaign, the One Campaign. And last week we did our Kickstart offering, received all the pledges, uh, the commitment cards, sorry, commitment cards, and just want to let you know what happened. So there was over uh, $30,000 in the Kickstart offering. Come on. Come on. And just over $170,000 committed to help us get to the end of our first phase, which is to pay off our property and make that happen. So I just want to say thank you for just being a part of that. And if you missed it and you still want to be, you can jump in and it just will help us move even further and farther ahead. So to be a part of that. Uh, So that's exciting that God is doing that in our midst and it's happening and and it's taking place. Uh, I want to invite you specifically today to Southridge 101. We're growing as a church and as we grow, the the opportunities to serve grow at the same rate. And and sometimes it's a little tricky to keep both of those at a balance. And so you are here because maybe God has you here for a very specific purpose and very specific reason And we do what is called growth track. Every month, we provide a first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, right at 1 o'clock, which is consistent. It's the same thing every month. So you have an opportunity to jump in. But the growth growth trap (laughs) is... The growth track is the pathway for you to become part of what's going on here at Southridge. So you can understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. You can understand what we're hoping to see happen in every person that walks into Southridge. And then, and then to figure out how you best fit. And so all of that happens through the growth track. It's a great tool. It's a great opportunity. And so today at 1 o'clock, uh, I'm teaching Southridge 101. And we're just going to dive into why we do what we do. And hopefully you'll understand it even more clearly and go, man, I want to be a part of that. So I invite you to come and be in that Southridge 101 today. Um, I'm excited about this series, Antidote. I, was, I it, don't, don't take this too far, all right? But this, this series is the only time where it's going to be okay to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> And you're like, oh, great, man, here, I came to church the first time they're talking about drinking Kool-Aid. No, we're actually talking about drinking an antidote or being a part of this antidote that would change our lives. And so here's, here's kind of the basis of this series is that many of us are continually struggling with stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I just struggle with stuff. I just got stuff. You know, I got, I got issues. I got, I got things in my heart that just continually swirl. And, and the stuff that seems to always be negatively affecting us. In other words, it seems like we try to get going forward, but we just can't. And there's something in us that's causing this problem. It's almost like a poison. 
And the poison weakens us to the point where we can't do what God called us to do or be what God called us to be. We're, we're missing out on something because of this poison effect. And so the answer to a poison often is an antidote. What's an antidote? What's, what's an antidote? And so an antidote is a remedy that counteracts the, the effects of a poison or a disease. In other words, we need something that's going to counteract this thing that's negatively affecting us. And so this whole series is about that, where we're going to be answering the question, what's the antidote to things like, and we just try to pick the top three things that we felt like most people might be wrestling with, is what's the antidote to things like worry and anxiety? Anybody in the house? All right? That's where we're going today, worry and anxiety. What's the antidote to anger and frustration, which is very closely related to depression? What's the antidote there? And so we'll be talking about that. And then the last one, or actually I might have them flipped around. The, uh, one of the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about bitterness and resentment. What's the antidote to that? And so I think as we go through these next few weeks and look at this, it's going to give us a, a lot of people here freedom. You know, that you might finally get to that point where that isn't the thing that keeps you weak all the time in your spiritual journey and in your life. And so we're looking forward to it. Here's, here's our key text. We always do a key text for every series that you can memorize and kind of sink your teeth into it. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, So we must get rid of everything. Matter of fact, just look at everybody around you, next to you, say, get rid of everything. Just tell them. <laughs> Some of you are like, great, I've been wanting to do that. So, yeah, get rid of everything. But it has a, it has a qualify here that slows us down. Get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. And that's that idea that I've got something in me. Just, it just constantly is nagging at me and keeping me down. It just won't seem to let go. So that sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. In other words, God's saying in the scripture that he's got this great plan for us, but we can't because we're held back. And so getting a hold of that, and then it goes on, it says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. The whole series, even though we're going to be talking about very practical things, revolves around one person and his ability to truly change us. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I mean, above all the other things that we're going to talk about in this whole series, the answer to my dilemma in life is Jesus. The answer to my family situation is Jesus. Everything that I'm struggling with is found in an answer in Christ Jesus. And so that's why that's part of that, that scripture that we just read. So here's the point. We all have things in our lives that hold us back and won't let us go, and we need an antidote. So, you know, something that's going to counterduck what's slowing us down and keeping us from being complete. So how do we do that? How do, how do we find that? So today, again, worry and anxiety. And, and I'll just start out this way. It never ceases to fa- uh, amaze me that whenever I do a series on, say, bitterness or anger or worry or whatever it might be, I'm going to be the man of faith and power. I'm going to come and tell you exactly what you need to do. It never ceases to amaze me how I'm the one in the midst of the story right now. My week has been probably the most worryful, stressful, 
anxious-filled week I've had in a long time. And, and some of it is because of family dynamics that are happening. Some of it is because of my own choices. I mean, just all, I mean, and so I'm speaking to myself as we're talking here today. So is there an antidote? That's, that's the question. Is there? And the answer, obviously, is yes. Is there something that can help us? And the answer is yes. But here's the problem for many of us. Many of us have just gotten to the point where being anxious or full of worry is just the way it is. We're, we're, we're really at a point where instead of hope that it's going to change, we're just trying to find hope to cope. That somehow we might manage this in a way that it's bearable. And, and I don't think that's the answer today. I don't think the answer for us today is trying to find another coping mechanism or another management tool or a time management tool or, or anything like that. But instead, I think more than anything, we need to be changed on the inside. We need to have a desperate change of who we are, not just a coping mechanism. So let me, let me ask the first question. Why are we so full of worry and anxiety? Why are we stressed out? Why, why are we stressed out? Why, why do we have such a hard time sleeping? Why are we so unsettled? Why are we so anxious? Why are we so worrisome? Why, why is this happening? What's going on? And I realize, again, in my own life, just like I said many times when I do this, it's like I'm in the middle of it. But I, I realize in my own life, I've struggled with worry and anxiety. I mean, I've had battles with it. I mean, I've I would say that there were times in my life that I said, I, I even remember saying this to Jennifer, I worried so much that right now I'm taking years off my life because <laughs> I worried so much. I was anxious about things that really were outside of my control anyway. I was worried about things that really didn't matter. I mean, and so, so I understand this idea, you know, and I, I got to think about why was I worrying? Why was I full of anxious? And here's a few of my own personal ones. I, I was overcommitted. I overthought. Anybody with me? <laughs> I mean, I just overthink it. I, I, I think through different angles that don't ever need to be thought about. I, I try to figure things out that don't need to be figured out. I try to get inside all the different thoughts of what's going on, and I overthink it. And because of that, I become very worrisome and full of anxious a- anxiety. Uh, here, here's one that I do. I, I make mountains out of molehills. Don't leave me hanging up here. Come on. <laughs> It's all me. Yeah, right. Yeah, you guys. I mean, I'm just really good at that. You know, I, 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 can, I can make a big deal about nothing, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that's just part of it, you know, and so this is, this is my life. I, here, here's another one is <clears throat> I, can, I can think of what can go wrong way too much. I, I, can, I can, in my mind, have a hundred different scenarios going at the same time. I can, have, I can actually have in my mind how I think the conversations are going to go. It's a lot of you are nodding your head. I mean, I, I mean I, it's a weird thing. It's like, why do I do that? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, okay, if I say this, they're going to say that. And when they say that, I'm going to say this. And, then, and, that, and, I, and I had a month-long conversation in my mind before I even got there. Right? I do that. And so that's part of it. Um, here, here's one. Uh, I have moments when, when I live in fear and not faith. I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of maybe losing something I didn't even need to necessarily worry about. I'm just afraid. And 
And I'm just being really honest with you. I mean, those are some of the things that I, I know for me, if I look at my life, that's why. I'm, I'm overcommitted. I overthink. I make mountains out of mohills. I, you know, I, I get way too many thoughts in my head. I, I got fear instead of faith. And so that's just part of all of us, I think. I, I think as I share that, you kind of go, yeah, I get it. That's me too. And so this whole idea of worry, anxiety today as we're talking about this and what's the antidote, I think it applies to most of our lives. So here's an interesting thought. The definition of worry or anxiety, and I keep saying the same word because worry and anxiety are kind of the same word scripturally. Sometimes it's actually the word anxiety and sometimes it's the word worry, and, but it's actually just one idea. But worry and anxiety biblically has a couple different definitions. Here, here's the first one is to draw away in different directions. To draw away in different directions. Here, here's another definition of it. It is to have a distracting care. <laughs> the care of worry and anxiety is actually distracting me from what I should be maybe focusing on. And so what, what a truth. So, so I, I, you know, just asking, why are we so busy? I mean, why are we so worrisome and, and full of anxiety? I want to give you three of them real quick. First one is this is we're too busy. We're too busy. How many of you this week have said, I'm, I'm busy? <laughs> I found myself saying it several different times, and I was trying to decide, am I saying it because I am really busy, or am I wearing it as a badge? I'm busy, right? I'm, and, but we're just too busy. And, and so studies show that this generation is going to work 180 hours more per year than the previous generation. That's over a month's worth of work. Just, just right now, we're, we're just busy. I mean, we're, we're multitasking everything. It, 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 study found out just a few years ago that 38 million people actually shop while they go poop at the same time. <laughs> Random thought. You, that'll help you. Right? I mean, we're just busy. I mean, it's just, you know, like, and here's, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it because that's the only thing you're going to remember all day. Yeah, 38 million people shop and poop at the same time. Yeah. So we're writing that down, 38 million. Anyway, but we're just too busy. And, and, and so the stress is created when we have too fast a pace. I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. And so here's, here's a scripture, Job, in Job chapter 9, it says, My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. How many of us can relate with that verse? My, my day goes by like a runner. I'm, I'm like running. <laughs> Just running everywhere. And then I get to the end of the day and I have no joy. I have no peace. I have no satisfaction. But boy, did I run. I ran. You know, I was going. I was busy. And see, many of us are full of anxiety and worry because we're trying to live at a pace that we simply can't maintain, but we're trying to. I mean, that's, that's the big why. The, the why of our culture is creating the worry and the anxiety levels that we're experiencing many times. And so we can't maintain it. And I, and I remember, and I've shared this many times over the years, that I, somebody say, hey, how, how are you doing? How's life? I say, I feel like I'm spinning plates. You ever seen the, spin, the plate spinners? You know, they got these little sticks that somehow they mounted, and they've got like a row of them. It's like maybe 10 or 12. Sometimes it's even more. And they start the first one. Everybody, whoo. They start saying, ooh, ooh. Yeah, start a fourth one. Ooh. Start a fifth one. Ooh. And life becomes that. 
And you're spinning plates. Before you know it, all the plates are spinning, but you're working like a slave trying to maintain it. It just isn't realistic. And and, and the crazy thing about it is we kind of create that, and we'll talk about that in just a second. And so, so we're spinning plates, and the reality is we need to slow and simplify. And, and here's the simple truth. It's too much. It's too much. This is a very profound thought. It's, a, it's just too fast. We're trying to accomplish more than what's possible. It's, it's too much. It simply doesn't fit. And all of that means or results in stealing our joy. We don't, we don't have any joy because of it. Here's the second one. First one, we're too busy. Second one is we have unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. We, we live under enormous social pressure. You know, it used to be we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now we're trying to keep up with Facebook, right? I mean, it's not just a couple people on the street. It's like thousands of people, and it's all over the place, and it's everywhere, and everything's happening at the same time. And it's very stressful because there's expectations that are attached to all of it, and we're trying to live up to those. And here's what it kind of looks like a little bit. We think we can, we can and should have it all now. It's the expectation. I should have it all now. And so we're trying to get there. You know, or, or this one. We think we can do it all now. I can do it all. I can do it. But the reality is we can't. And so we think we can be perfect. We can make it all happen. And these expectations are unrealistic. And really what we need is we need permission to not be perfect. Not be perfect. Not as an excuse to do whatever, but just just permission. And see, so many of us, we're, we're under this pressure, if you will, too busy, too, un, uh, too many unrealistic expectations, and because of that, there's this worry and anxiety that comes with it. Here's the third one, is we create our own crazy. We create our own crazy. And for some of us, worry and anxiety is a direct result of the choices we've made. We made that purchase that, boy, now we've got to figure out how we're going to pay for. We got involved in that relationship, and now we've got to figure out how to live it out. You know, we, we changed jobs. Now we've got to figure out how to deal with the new job. You know, this, and there's choices many times that are attached to our worry and anxiety that we really created ourselves. And so somehow we have to understand that sometimes it's just because we're too busy. Sometimes it's because we're trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. But in many times, it's the fact that I created the, my own crazy. I'm the one that made this happen. I, I, I formulated it. And so the consequences then are actually the result of my choices in the midst of it. And so I think that's a, a few thoughts that, that might help us understand why this is happening. So let's talk about what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. And I encourage you to read the whole chapter. I'm not going to read it all today, but I'm going to highlight a few verses. Jesus taught in Matthew 6. It's like the, the text, if you will, of Jesus talking about worry. Okay. And, and actually, it's interesting because it's not just the, the last portion of chapter 6. It's actually the whole chapter of, of 6 that is kind of connected together. In other words, it's the context of what's going on. And so let me, let me just share a few thoughts that, that jumped out at me as I was reading through Matthew 6 about the context of worry and anxiety, where they come from, all right? Here, here's, the, here's the first one. Is that often worry and anxiety emerges out of an unhealthy desire to be recognized or recognition. We want to be recognized. There's a healthy recognition and there's unhealthy recognition. And many times the worry and anxiety comes because I'm trying to, in an unhealthy way, be recognized. 
You know, it's how many likes, how many followers, you know, in this whole social media world. But Jesus said it this way. Check what he said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Then he also said in Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And so it's interesting that in the context of Jesus' teaching about worry, he first frames it, if you will, in understanding that many times if you're looking for recognition and you're looking to be applauded and and approved and admired by those around you, it will easily lead you into a worrisome life. It will easily lead you down this path that is full of anxiety and worry because the context of worry and anxiety is often connected to the performance that we have before people. And so I have to wrestle with that. I have to wrestle with, is this why I have worry problems? Because I'm trying to impress or I'm trying to appear a certain way or I'm trying to just be admired to see me. Which, And again, there's a healthy version of that, but there's an unhealthy version. And so Jesus sets that as maybe one of the the, the context, if you will. Here's, here's the second context. That worry and anxiety often emerge out of an unhealthy desire for accumulation. Jennifer made fun of my preaching words here. They, I had three of them that rhyme. You'll see the next one here in a second. Hey, that's how I roll. It emerges out of an unhealthy desire for accumulation. In other words, it's the pile. It's the pile. We worry about the pile. We worry about the stuff. We worry about how much we have or how much we don't have. And we focus all of our attention and all of our energy on the pile. And Jesus said, if you're going to focus on the pile, if you're going to focus on how much stuff you have, probably, more than likely, you're going to find yourself in a worrisome place. You're going to be full of anxiety. You're going to be stressed out. Almost guarantee. It's, it's the context. So here, here's what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he said, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break into steel. And then he goes on a little bit later and he says, You can't serve both God and money. He said, If you're trying to do this, I can almost guarantee you're going to struggle. You're going to have this internal battle that's just happening all the time because externally you're trying to do something that's unaccomplishable. Is that a word? I just made that up. New dictionary word. So here, here's the third one. Is it, you know, what is it? The context. Is worry and anxiety often emerges out of an unhealthy lack of illumination. Illumination. So you got recognition, accumulation, illumination. And really what this one is, is it's the ability to accurately or correctly see or have perspective. Many times I I have worry and anxiety in my life because my vision is off. I'm not seeing things the right way. I'm not looking at the circumstance and the situation of my life in the proper way. And because of that, it's creating these unneeded and unwanted things of worry and anxiety and stress. And here's here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. He said, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, if you can see good, your whole body is filled with light. And see, perspective has to do with, with a change of view, you know, in this, in this 
context of what he's talking about. It's, it's being able to believe differently. Again, going back to, we're not trying to figure out a way to cope with worry and anxiety. We're actually trying to be changed so that worry and anxiety doesn't have us. It's a different perspective. It's a different way of going about it. And so we need like some principles. We need a, a belief strategy. We need something that's going to help us. We, and these principles that can move us from unhealthy to healthy, that can move us from worry, anxiety, to joy and sensing joy. I mean, all these different things that they would be replaced by ones that are actually correct. And it goes back to our key text, get rid of everything, but replace it with something that's better. So let me give you three principles real quick. Three principles that can counteract worry and anxiety that we need desperately to bring about change. Here's the first one. Is that, that we need to live with the understanding that more is not always better. More is not always better. I mean, it's just, it's just not true, you know. I mean, you know, sometimes we get excited about more, but many times more isn't what we need. We need quality. <laughs> we, we, need, we need that which is valuable, not necessarily more. I mean, and so, so it's better to have less many times of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, check this out. It says, one handful of peace and quiet is better than two handfuls of hard work and of trying to catch the wind. It's the idea that, that I don't have to get caught up, and this is the principle. If, if, but if I think it's the opposite, I'm, I'm always going to be drifting towards more worry and more anxiety. I've got to somehow allow this to come alive in me. I, I was thinking, about how, how do I illustrate this? I love to travel. We're, we're going to go in, in a month or so and go to Hawaii and visit a new baby that's coming, another one. Yeah, pumping them out. I'm not pumping anything out. We're, we're just... But, but I, you know, when I travel... I, I, I like to travel light. To me, when I travel light, it's a good experience. To me, the ideal flight is to walk up, maybe have a backpack with some crackers in it, right? You know, a couple candy bars, you know, something that I just like to munch on. You know, that's a beautiful traveling experience. A miserable traveling experience to me is you've got a carry-on that you know is illegally too large for the bins, but you're going to try to sneak it on, right? And you've got a backpack that's got really not just backpack normal stuff in it. You've got two suitcases worth of material packed in your backpack. That's not fun. (laughs) And see, I, I think what happens, and this is the connection here, is many times we just need to figure out how to travel a little lighter and not try to squeeze everything in and carry it with us. You know, instead of getting in that mentality, I've got to get it all, I've got to get it all, maybe you would enjoy life a little bit more if you didn't take quite so much with you. And I'm not just talking about traveling. I'm talking about doing life, all right? Okay? So here, here's the next one. So principle one, live with an understanding that more is not always better. Principle number two is live your life by design, not by default. I heard somebody say this this week, and as I was listening to some messages uh, on this topic, and I, I was like, man, that's so good. To live your life by design, not by default. And see, what that means is simply this. We need to understand that many times we are in a place of worry and anxiety because we have allowed it to just happen. There was no intentionality about what we did. There was no thought about how it happened. We just let it happen. And so we live by accident, not by intention. 
And many times, that simple principle of life, instead of living by design, which God has a very specific design for you, has been pushed aside, and I just live by wherever the wind blows, or however the day happens, or whatever happens. And because of that, it creates these situations in my life that make it miserable. All of that happens because I'm living by default and not design. And then then most of us are reacting to life and not living on purpose. And here's a simple, clear thought. If we don't prioritize and order our lives, someone or something else will. Let me say that again. If we don't prioritize and order our lives, someone or something else will. I want to go back a few years in my journey as a follower. When I was in North Omaha, probably seven, eight years, we planted a church in North Omaha Started in 90, was there until 99, and about year six or seven, I was exhausted. I was, I was done. I, I, was, I was at my end because some of the things that I was talking, I'm talking about here, I was too busy. I was trying to live up to expectations that were unrealistic. I mean, I was creating crazy. I mean, there was hundreds of things going on, and my life was undisciplined. And I remember reading a book, and I encourage you to read this if you get a chance. It's called Ordering Your Private World. And I remember reading the book and having this aha moment that I read this book that I realized at that moment, I was just letting whatever happen in my life, and that's why my life is so chaotic. I had no order. I had no purpose. I had no design. I had no reason even for any of the moments of my day other than I was just going to the next thing. And so when I begin to read that and begin to understand, wow, I need to really re- adjust some of these things, it changed how I perceived ministry, how I perceived life, and I began to realize that what I was doing was actually creating this nightmare that I was living. And see, some of us, we don't ever think about that because it's just, well, it just happened. This is my life. This is where it goes. No, you're living by default, not by design. And so you have to begin to ask yourself, what is the order of my life? What is the priorities of my life? What really matters in the middle of all this? And by the way, God has a plan for you. God has a design for you. Check out the verse in Psalm 139. It says, the Lord speaking of us, said, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has a design for your life. And I I, I can guarantee his design is not one that's worrisome and full of anxiety and full of stress. There might be difficult times, not saying that it won't be, because this isn't a a catch-all that says, if I understand this and I get this right, everything's going to be, you know, kunamatata, you know, kumbaya, we had a great time. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that God has a design for your life, that if I live within the design that God has for me, all of a sudden, a lot of the stuff that was causing me headache after headache after headache are gone. And so design, not default. Here's here's a third thought, three principles that counteract your worry and anxiety. First, you know, more is not always better. Design, not live by design, not by default. And the third one, live but with the understanding that one right direction is more valuable than many directions. One right direction is more valuable than many directions. It is better to get the right things done, not the more things done. The right things. 
What is the right thing? Living, living again with my, my life with intentionality, this idea that I'm going to do something on purpose, the right direction. And so here's, here's what this means. We need to stop measuring ourselves by how much we do, but by the right direction that we're going. See, many of us, we look at how much we do, and we think that's how we measure our lives, but we need to change that and begin to realize not how much I do, but am I going the right direction? Because that's the difference here in the principle. Here, here's, here's a verse, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise action. There's an intentional target. But a fool starts off in many directions. Many directions. See, and many of us are trying to go in many directions at the same time. And the result is we spend a lot of energy going nowhere and end up exhausted. And I was thinking about it. It's kind of like tug of war. I've been, I've been watching this, this uh, CrossFit workout show lately. It's, it's skull, Broken Skull Challenge or something like that. I mean, going, oh. You know, anyway, yeah. I just envision myself doing it, but anyway. It's a dream. <laughs> but sometimes they have these tug-of-wars, right? But it's not a normal tug-of-war. It's not like one rope over this way and you tug it. It's, it's a tug-of-war that's got a, a circle in the middle with many ropes. And the ropes, and these, I mean, big old muscular guys, they're grabbing a hold of this thing. It's got this ring in the middle, and there's like six different ropes tied to it. And they go, go. And I'm thinking, this is not going to go well, <laughs> right? And sure enough, they will battle and battle and battle because it's just one guy trying to pull three or four other guys the other way and one guy trying to pull three or four other guys the other way. And they're just fighting and fighting. It'll go on for 30, 40 minutes where they're just wrestling, trying to get this thing, because they're trying to go many directions. And they're exhausted. I mean, it wears them out. And usually what ends up happening is nobody wins. They just start falling like flies. I mean, they, it just ends in exhaustion is what happens. Is the one guy finally goes, I can't do it. He lets go. And so it's kind of just however long they can stay with it. And I think some of us, that's how we're doing life. We've got this ring, and there's different little ropes around it, and we're all pulling them at the same at the same time in different directions. And the only thing that's happened, we're not going anywhere. We're just getting exhausted. It's wearing us out. And eventually, maybe we will go somewhere, but by the time we get there, it's probably not where we're going to go anyway because we're not going in one right direction versus put all the ropes together, <laughs> right? And you just take it to where you want to go, where, where you should go, this right direction, this idea. So anyway, those are the three principles. So let me wrap up with this, the, the last thought here, and that is how do we apply the antidote? How do we apply it? How, how do we apply the antidote? How do we counteract this thing that we've been talking about? And three things, all right? Here, and these are all based on Matthew chapter 6 and, and, and what Jesus was talking about here. So here's the first one. Stop and carefully evaluate. In Matthew 6, Jesus gave instructions about how to deal with worry and anxiety, and all of his instructions were in the, in the basis of consider. Matter of fact, I went through and I counted in, in the NLT, there is eight questions in six verses. 
eight questions in six verses. Jesus asked question after question after question after question. Why would he ask so many questions? Because one of the keys to us in the antidote to worry and anxiety is evaluation. It's considering where I'm at. Matter, one of them, verse 27, he says, can worry make you live longer? Just consider. Let's just evaluate what's going on. Can, what's going on? Consider how valuable you are. Consider how worry adds nothing to your life. Consider how God takes care of, of his own. Stop and ask yourself, what's going on? What's going on? Why am I worried? Why, why am I anxious? Why am I stressed? Sometimes we are worried and anxious and we don't even know why. We're, 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 we're freaking out inside, but if somebody said, why are you so worried? Because we've never evaluated. Jesus, he, I think he knew the people that he was talking to. He's like, you guys need to stop for a second and consider and, and, and evaluate and think about why are you so worried? Just to have a moment to evaluate. Just to have a moment to, to take some time to think about it. See, this is that it's important spiritual principle, not principle, discipline that many of us neglect. You know what it's called? It's called reflection. There is a spiritual discipline that is called reflection. By the way, I'll just let you know that the Sabbath day, the church, one of the reasons for church was a day of reflection. It was a day to process What's going on in my life? It was a day to slow down long enough to think about and consider and evaluate what's actually happened. Why am I so freaked out? I mean, but we never reflect, so we never get to the point where we evaluate. And so Jesus is saying the first step to applying the antidote is I need to carefully consider what's going on. And really what that then means is this. It is, it's the setting aside of time to consider our lives. It's, to, it's the time to take inventory of what's actually happening in me. Let me give you some questions. Am I trying to live tomorrow, today? Am I trying to do that? Here, here's another one. Am I being more concerned about recognition and accumulation than healthy, than it is necessary healthy in a healthy way? Am I doing that? Here's another one. Is Am I living by default or design? Am I actually living intentionally or am I just living whatever happens? Am I doing that? Or Here's another one. Am I trying to go in many directions at the same time or am I focused on one right direction? Is that happening? Am I too busy? Am I going too fast? I mean, all the things that we just talked about becomes a question for evaluation. So stop and carefully evaluate. Here's, here's the second one. Is learn to aggressively eliminate. Eliminate. I'm going to share something right now that some of you maybe have never thought about, but you need to learn how to say no. Some of you need to learn how to say no. You got you to gotta get aggressive. You got you to say no to some things because here's the deal. If we never say no, I can almost guarantee you, if you say yes to everything, it will always create more stress. If you, if you say yes to everything, it just isn't feasible. It's part of this thing that we were just talking about. And so I've got to learn to aggressively eliminate things in my life, learning to say no. Here's, here's a scripture, Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, teach us to use wisely all the time we have. We only have so much time, so we've got to be careful and thoughtful and discerning about what we say yes to and what we say no to. 
And so the antidote to worry and anxiety is often found in our ability and willingness to make the tough decisions. Many of us have something in our lives that consistently produces worry simply because we're unwilling to let it go and actually say no. You've got to say no. You've got to say yes to the right thing and no to those things that are just causing problems. At some point, you've got to say no, which is really hard. You know, Jennifer, I'm, I'm going to use her. She, she has what I would call yes disease. Yes to everything. We have many a conversation in our home about do we really have to do this? Do we really have to do that? Is this realistic? Is, it, is this healthy? Is this, is this what God wants us to do? I mean, I, I'll pull out the Holy Spirit thing. Is the Holy Spirit telling us to do this, you know? I mean, because yes to me on everything is definitely not the right answer. You've got to know when to say no. And, and sometimes it's hard because everybody else is doing it or everybody else is saying yes to it. Or, you know, but many times, just because the crowd is saying yes doesn't mean that you're supposed to say yes. Just because it's normal for the world around you doesn't mean it's normal for what God's calling you to do. You've got to say no sometimes. You've got to say no. We need to stop making decisions based on our popularity or on our own comfort and start making decisions based on respect before the Lord. We've got to get to that point. Here's the third one, last one, as I close. Let's focus on today's execution. So carefully evaluate, aggressively eliminate today's execution. In other words, focus on doing today what really matters most. Focus today on what matters most. And by the way, this is it's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He brought them back to today because worry many times is out there. And Jesus said, let's focus right here. Let's focus right here. Let's actually execute in this day. Begin to live this moment with God-centered purpose. Begin to live this day with the understanding of those principles that we just went through. Begin to live this time right now in accordance to what God has for us. To, to live according to what matters most. Things like a relationship with God, that's what matters most. My relationship with the people around me matters most. Jesus said it this way, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's what matters most. We don't, we don't have to wonder about that. That I need to prioritize and focus my attention. Here's, here's a couple of verses, Jesus speaking. And this was his answer to worry. But first, he gives priority. But first... Be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. Going right back to where we started. So first, be concerned about this. Consider this. Look at this. His kingdom and what has his approval. And notice what happens. Then all these things, all the things that you want, God knows what you want. God knows what you need. He said all these things will be provided for you. He's able to do it. Verse 34 says, give your entire attention to what God is doing. Say it with me. Right now. (laughs) Right now. Give your entire attention right now to what God is doing. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the times come. In other words, today, focus on this. Focus on this right now. 
So focus on today's execution. Let me wrap this up with, with kind of this big idea. So in Jesus talking in Matthew 6, he gives the antidote. He's, he's walking through these ideas of evaluation, and he's, he's alluding to this idea of eliminating this, this junk thought process and engaging in things you have nothing to be, you shouldn't be engaged in, this execution thing. But it really all boils down to two thoughts, all right? And here's what it is. The antidote. He says, don't worry because God knows and cares about you. Don't worry about it because he knows you. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He knows what's on your mind right now as you begin to have an anxious moment. He knows. God isn't, God isn't unaware. He's more than aware. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows. He knows your fears. You know, he knows your tendency to overcommit. He knows that you're really good at making mole, mountains out of molehills. He knows everything. About, he knows. He knows your frailty. He knows your weakness. He knows your struggles. He knows your needs. He knows what you really need. He knows. And he cares. He cares about who you are and where you're going and who you'll become and who in relationship you'll be. He cares. More than you can ever imagine, he cares about you. So not only he knows you, and here's, I always say it this way, he knows me and he still likes me. Yeah, he does. He cares about you. So Jesus points it all back to said, Here's the antidote to worry. Just understand this in a big way. He knows and he cares. And if there is a God who is powerful like our God and he knows and he cares, then you are in a great position. Then here's the second part of it. He says, don't worry. Instead, trust me. Trust me. The antidote to worry and anxiety is trust the antidote to worry and anxiety is trust. And trust in, in giving it to, trusting God is giving it all to God. Trusting God is allowing him to determine the outcome. Trusting God is giving him my tomorrow. That's trusting God. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe today you're, you're in that moment right now where, you walked in here today and there was all kinds of worry and anxiety in your life. And maybe as we're talking, you realize, I, I need to trust. I've been kind of creating some chaos. I've been creating the crazy. I've, I've been busy. I haven't been living by those principles. But God is calling me right now to something new and I want to trust him. And maybe today you just need to reach out in faith, and say, Lord, I trust you with my tomorrow. I know that you know me, and you care about me, and Lord, if I trust in you, God, you will work things out better than I can ever work them out myself, and so, Lord, I give it to you. I trust you with my tomorrow. Matter of fact, let's all say that together. Say this, Lord Jesus, I trust you with my tomorrow. In Jesus' name.